what is this? A penny stock? I don't know. It looks like a scam. So I ignored it. A 19-year-old guy making 10 bucks an hour with $1,000 to his name. Hope is a four-letter cuss word in trading and investing. The idea of like a better form of money sounded like we were about to go through the biggest transition. What do you mean the U.S. government can just create $5 trillion? Welcome to Cointelegraph's Crypto Trading Secrets Podcast. Hey everyone, your host BJ Pyrus here. This episode's guest is Chris Dunn. Chris is an investor, trader, YouTuber, and podcaster. Chris has been in crypto for quite some time. He first heard about Bitcoin around 2011, but he didn't dive into the asset until 2013. He's been to over 100 countries and has a notable amount of trading and investing experience. Okay, here's Chris Dunn. Hey Chris, how's it going? Very good, BJ. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So the show is normally divided into three sections. First up is finding the bottom where I ask guests what they think about Bitcoin's price in the bear market. So far in 2023, Bitcoin's price has moved up from near the mid to upper $16,000 range to up past $25,000, then down below $20,000, and then back up past $26,000, according to Cointelegraph's Bitcoin price index chart. So from a macro, longer term view, What's your opinion on Bitcoin's price taking into account the last few months and the months ahead? Great question. So the way that I think about it is, and the best data that we have is looking at prior market cycles based on the halving. And so if we look back at really the the last two halvings were the market cycles that had real like trading liquidity. And so if we look back at 2016, one thing that I look at, or actually three things I look at is the days from the prior market cycles pivot low to the halving date. So basically from the prior market cycle, how many days was it from the bottom to halving? Because typically several hundred days ahead of the halving, the market starts to ramp up into a bull market. The second metric I look at is how many days were we in an accumulation range prior to having a breakout before the halving, right? Because after we go through a bear market, price will typically hang around the lows for quite a while. And then after the halving, how many days to the market top? And so in 2016, it was 540 days from the pivot low to the halving, 254 days after the accumulation range breakout. And then we had over 500 days of a bull market after that. And 2020 was pretty close to that. The 2020 halving, we had about a little over 500 days from the pivot low to the halving, just like 2016. And from accumulation range breakout to the halving, it was actually a little longer, about 400 days. And then after the halving, we had over 500 days again. So I know that that's a lot of numbers and it might sound confusing, but that's basically how I kind of quantify where we are in the the bigger market cycle. As of right now here in like March, 2023, you know, the halving is estimated to be around April 28th, 2024. So that would put the current pivot low, which is around 15,500 in November of 2022. uh, That puts that about 524 days prior to the next halving. So Is that the low? Uh, It's yet to be seen. There's a lot of variables that we have this market cycle that really weren't 
as big of an impact on the prior cycles, uh, like the NASDAQ really being a driver of price action and Bitcoin following that so closely. But if that low holds, that'll kind of put us on track. And we've basically got anywhere from mid-March to August to really see a big breakout to put us on track close to prior market cycles, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. So do you think Bitcoin is still in a bear market? As of right now, we're showing signs of a potential breakout. Like as of today, right? That could change, but 25, 26K, that key price level is a major level that if we break above that and stay above it for a few days, odds are we're going to start to see runs and retracements to the upside. But again, the, the big caveat to that is right now there's a ton of uncertainty around inflation, interest rates. We've had the contagion of some of the largest crypto banks going under. And the Biden administration is really not keeping it quiet, the fact that they're really attacking the crypto industry right now. Um, so I think this next halving is really Bitcoin's time to shine. I think what happens over the next six to nine months is really where Bitcoin needs to prove that it can fulfill what it was originally created for. Interesting. So what might change your opinions to make you think that we might continue into a bull market for Bitcoin? And then what also might happen that might make you think, oh, we might not mm -hmm. um, be headed into a bull market? If that makes any sense, what factors? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll start by kind of explaining my methodology and like how I think about price action and how I think about mapping the future, right? So I don't try to make predictions like if price is going to go up or down. What I do is I create maps of possibilities. I say, if the bull market kicks in, what does that look like? And if a bear market kicks in, or if we just stay flat, what does that look like? And then I try to weigh the probabilities, right? So step one, I look at the possibilities, everything that could happen. Step two, I look at the probabilities, what I think is most likely to happen. And then I create a plan based on all of those outcomes. That way I don't have regrets or get wiped out or hurt in any one of those outcomes, right? So what does that mean? Well, I manage like my capital stack. So I've been very cash heavy the last like six months and I've been starting to build back in to my Bitcoin position. So if we go into a bull market, what I expect that to look like is 25, 26K becomes support and we start to see runs, retracements and extensions to the upside above that level. If we trap and we stay below 25K, we could stay in the accumulation range above 18K support and below 25K resistance really until August and still be on track for a bull market prior to the halving. Um, if something breaks or if something happens where say the stock market dumps another 20, 30% and it looks like we're gonna have a hard landing with the Fed and interest rates and that whole macro picture, then that could throw a wrench in the bull case. But again, I think that Bitcoin, as of today at least, is on track for another bull market prior to the halving. And those are kind of the key levels that I'm looking for. But in prior market cycles, we really didn't have to put so much focus on the Fed and the stock market. You know, Bitcoin was at times actually trading completely uncorrelated to the stock market where since the market high in November of 2021, it's been very, very correlated. One thing I would look for and one thing I'm kind of hoping kicks in, and I know hope is a, a four-letter cuss word in trading and investing, but one thing that I would like to see happen is that Bitcoin starts trading 
with a mind of its own, regardless of what the stock market does. Interesting. And this actually builds on uh, what you were talking about there. So what do you think impacted Bitcoin's price the most in 2022? 2022, it was very correlated with the NASDAQ, right? If you overlay, I guess you could say the S&P 500 as well, but it was a combination of just frothiness and market sentiment. But the market highs, I remember just all the things that were just signaling a market top, like Elon pumping Doge on SNL and Mark Cuban hopping on the Doge train. And I remember anecdotally, I, I got in an elevator and I heard some preteen girls bragging about their NFT gains. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> We've been here before. So that there were like, it was really market sentiment that created the top. All the on-chain factors were not signaling parabolic price action yet. Even the, the TA on the, the price action wasn't signaling parabolic blow-off tops like we've seen in market cycles. It was actually, it was market sentiment. It was hubris. It was get-rich-quickers that that caused, I think, that market top. And it was the the laser eyes and the next stop 100K, right? Like when you get a mass majority of traders, investors, and funds, and everybody in agreement that an outcome is inevitable, it rarely actually becomes true because it becomes a crowded trade. So that's what I think happened is it became a crowded trade. And then we, we could talk about the Fed, we could talk about the correlation with the stock market, which absolutely had a play. But at the end of the day, Price action in crypto is driven by market sentiment, public perception, and the confidence that people have in crypto. And when things just get too frothy, the market causes everybody pain. Were you talking about 2021 there or 2022? I guess for the extended market of 2022, right? The whole bear market that we went through. The market obviously topped in 2021, but 2022 was the fallout from that. Gotcha. So what do you think has impacted Bitcoin's price the most so far in 2023? Well, if we look back late last year, so November 2022, we had a what I call a capitulation event, which was the FTX fallout. And that caused a washout into the teens for Bitcoin. And since then, in the first quarter of 2023, we've seen that price stabilize. We've seen 18 to 19K be support. We've seen 25K become resistance. And that's what I call an accumulation range. When you have price that is basically flat and boring and for the most part, low volume, stuck in between support and resistance, it's at that time that a lot of people get bored or disinterested with the market and they either leave crypto or they lose confidence. And that's where price action builds up momentum for the next bull market. And that's really where we've been in the first quarter of this year. Gotcha. Last part of this uh, segment of questions, what do you think will impact Bitcoin's price the most for the rest of 2023? Great question. Well, I guess the narrative is the expectation or anticipation of a bull market prior to the halving, which is going to happen in April of 2024. Um, and then I've been thinking a lot about the altcoin space and just where we are with that. And every market cycle, there's a narrative that drives alts. In 2017, it was ICOs. In 2020 and 2021, it was NFTs and DeFi. And it's not completely evident if we're going to have another altcoin season this year. And if so, what does that look like? You know, we've recently seen some pops in some of the AI cryptos. Some of those have already deflated. I don't know. I'm still searching for that. But I think, you know, with the regulatory pressure that we have right now from the SEC, and from people just getting burned so bad and a lot of the dis 
past waves, alt scams. I just don't know if capital is going to come back. Most recently, we've just seen a flight to Bitcoin because of all the issues that we've had with stable coins, NFT and DeFi, and you know the list just goes on and on. So I put Bitcoin in kind of a class of its own. And then alts, I think it's yet to be seen what, if anything, will drive those throughout the rest of the year. Gotcha. Interesting. So going to the next segment, which is called Trade Secrets, basically I ask about your background and stuff like that. So tell me about your background or as much as you're comfortable diving into. Uh, when you were little, what did you want to do when you grew up? Yeah, so I was a military brat. I was, I guess, blessed with the ability to see cultures from all around the world. I lived in Korea and Iceland and bounced around the U.S. quite a bit. And so I've always just had a passion for traveling and culture. And I was always really interested in money. Every time we'd go to a new country, I'd always just be fascinated by the different types of paper bills and coins, and I'd always collect it. And going into high school, I started reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and this was the early 2000s when high-speed internet was just becoming available for people's homes. And so I got online and started learning about the stock market. And when I was, a, I believe, a junior or a senior in the early 2000s, I, I got introduced to the futures markets, e-mini futures, and I started trading them and started learning everything I could and buying courses and going to seminars and I was just, I was hooked. I just, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. And so for income and as a job, I was working in the the mortgage industry coming out of high school and throughout my college age years. I actually didn't go to college. I just started working in corporate America. And so I was trading on the side and working in the mortgage business. And then in 2005, 2006, saw the writing on the wall with the the real estate market. It was just a massive bubble. And I was actually the director of subprime lending for a major home builder in the US. And I just, I didn't understand how we could get a 19 year old guy making 10 bucks an hour with a thousand dollars to his name, how I could put him in a half a million dollar house with nothing down. It, it just didn't make any sense. And so I started making plans to pivot into full-time trading. And so by the time 2007 came around, I found myself in that position. I, I left the mortgage industry and started trading full-time and was trading and investing through the the GFC in 08, great financial crisis. And that was just incredible uh, because of the volatility. It, it was a, a day trader's dream, but I saw the, the contagion and the fallout from that. And over the coming years after that, I just noticed that the traditional financial markets were getting overrun with high frequency algorithms. It was becoming harder and harder for the average Joe to make a living trading the markets. And that's when I found Bitcoin. A friend of mine told me about it in like 2011 and I looked at it briefly and I said, what is this, a penny stock? I, I don't know, it looks like a scam. So I ignored it. And then in 2013, when it started to pump again in the spring, I was like, maybe there's something here. So went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and never came out. Just uh, went real deep and then started doing YouTube videos on it in 2013. I think I was one of the first guys doing like tutorial videos, just trying to explain what Bitcoin was and how it worked and why it was such a great market to actively trade because it was way less competitive than the futures markets. It was way more volatile. So there was more opportunity and it was just cool. I just really enjoyed the, the whole cypherpunk community and just the idea of like a better form of money. Sounded like we were about to go through the biggest transition in my lifetime, at least, of like redefining money. And kind of the rest is history. That's a really interesting backstory. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks, man. So 
Do you trade and invest in multiple different markets currently? My focus is mostly crypto. My wife manages actively the stock portfolio. Nikki and we also on our team, we have a buddy, Travis DeVitt, that he was a former hedge fund guy, took one of the best performing hedge funds from about 100 million in assets to over a billion. He retired from that and then joined us at the Skill Incubator. And so Nikki and Travis manage my stock portfolio and I manage the crypto and startup side of things. So I'm pretty active in the, the startup scene as well. Interesting. So how much of your time, effort and capital is put toward trading versus investing? It's a good question. So I have five different capital buckets. Um, this is how I think about it. So I've got bucket number one, which is my cold storage, which is every time we're in a bear market or what I think is near the lows, I'll just DCA, I'll dollar cost average in, and I'll put money into Bitcoin that I put on a hardware wallet and don't really think about it. My only goal with that capital bucket is to grow the number of Satoshis over time, which hopefully will increase in dollar value as well. Capital bucket number two is like my cycle trades, where I'll also buy some at the lows and I will hold for anywhere from six to 18 months and then start to scale out during a bull market or when I think things are parabolic. My third capital bucket is like swing trades. So I'll hold a position anywhere from a few days to a couple of months, on average, maybe two or three weeks. So when we're in a bull cycle, I'm buying dips, I'm buying breakouts, I'm being very disciplined with entries and exits. And my goal there is to trade Bitcoin and altcoins with the goal of increasing my fiat stack so I can build my position sizes and also pull hard profits out of the crypto ecosystem and invest in other things like real estate or startups. My next capital bucket, number four, is for scalps. So it could be the occasional day trade, but again, that only occurs maybe a few times a year. Then the fifth bucket is for either pre-listing investments in the crypto space or startups, which I really don't do a lot of because the, the time from ideation, meaning somebody puts up a white paper and creates a token to the time that you have access to liquidity on an exchange, that's a really short time frame. So I'm like, why would I take on the added risk of investing pre-listing when I can just wait a little bit and find price discovery on an exchange. So actually most of the startup investing I do is outside of the, the crypto ecosystem. But th those are really the five buckets. It's a mixture of active investing, passive investing, and then active trading. Interesting. So you mentioned swing trading and scalping, correct? Yeah. Do you want to dive into maybe how you approach that a little bit more? Do you use technical analysis? Uh, what do you look for in a trade? Stuff like that. Yeah, I would say the most important thing when it comes to swing trading and scalping is the TA. Fundamentals don't really matter. And when you're swinging, it's really just volume and price action. I come from a world of active day trading in the futures markets where I spent literally thousands of hours like building trading systems and backtesting and everything from fully automated to subjective and everything in between. And when it comes to trading Bitcoin and altcoins, I keep it very, very simple. I use price action, volume, a couple of moving average, and Fibonacci tools like retracements and extensions. And that's about it. Keep it very simple. I look for the bigger trends. I'm not in and out multiple times in a day. I prefer to swing trade. And the only like occasional scalp or day trade that I'll take is if there's massive, massive intraday volatility where there's just a washout that's too good to trade or a parabolic rip that I can fade. 
But for the most part, I would say my bread and butter is swing trading. Gotcha. You went into this a little bit, but do you want to just dive into your process of learning how to trade and what that was like in your early days? Yeah, yeah. So in high school, I was working in a mortgage company and I walked by this guy's desk and I saw like what looked like stock charts. And I was like, hey, Jim, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm day trading E-mini futures. Sit down and watch me. And it's like, that's weird. He's working in a mortgage company, but he's trading the stock market. That's that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, I sat there and within 20 minutes, he made like two grand. And I was like, wait, what? This is crazy. It just blew my mind. And so I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to do that. I funded my first account. It was like $5,000. And I started trading and I remember my first trade was a win. It was like two points on the ES, which is the S&P 500, which was like a hundred bucks before commissions. And I was like, oh my God, man, I just made a hundred dollars in like a few minutes. I'm going to get so stinking rich. And then I lost the five grand in like the next week or two. I was like, okay, (laughs) valuable lesson. It's not as easy as it seems. It's actually very competitive and day trading is very, very hard. But that was just a... I don't know if it's my stubbornness or competitiveness, but I just wanted to master that. And so, yeah, I just, I spent as much time as I could just learning about every technical indicator and every strategy. And again, this was the early 2000s, so there wasn't a whole lot out there and electronic trading was fairly new. And it was just interesting talking to some of the guys that were working at trading desks in the 90s when the stock market was on the fraction system before they went to the the decimal system, you know, where stocks actually traded in pennies and hearing their stories from the old days and how they struggled to transition and compete in the age of digital trading. Yeah, it was just really, really cool being able to, to have that experience early on and then transition through that time and then like the GFC and 08 and eventually just watch the markets get overrun with algorithms. That's really interesting. Your Twitter bio says you've traveled to over 100 countries. Yeah. Do you want to maybe list your top five favorites and why? Oh, yeah, good question. So I lived in Iceland for a couple of years, so I'd put that up there. It's just amazing people, beautiful, beautiful country. Um, Moving east, I'd say Norway, Switzerland, just a big mountain guy and hiking. I love South Africa. Parts of it are pretty dangerous, but another just beautiful country. Southeast Asia, Thailand, Bali so many amazing beaches and the food and big cities and mountains. I mean, you kind of get anything down there. Yeah, I think those are kind of my favorite areas. Cool, cool. Let's jump into the next segment, which is the next bull run. How will you know if Bitcoin moves into a bull market if we have another Bitcoin bull market? Basically, what are you looking for that might give you confidence that it may have switched into a bull market? So for me, it's if we break above the 25 to 30K zone and stay above there for more than just a few days. Anything can happen where you get like a fake out breakout. But if we start seeing runs and retracements, all we have to do is look back at late 2016, early 2017, and then 2020 to know what that looks like. So to me, it's pretty clear. If we start getting that, I'm just ready to to go gas pedal all the way in. If we don't, I'm going to sit on my hands and and just hit the brakes. What do you think might happen after Bitcoin has moved into a bull market? How do you think things will play out in the months directly following? If we break out into a bull market, I expect those runs, retracements, higher highs, higher lows, volume increasing, market sentiment to shift from, oh my God, the crypto space is dead, which is what it sounds like right now, to hey, crypto is back and then eventually the cycle will repeat where it gets overextended, over hot, 
the get rich quicker show up and then the market will reverse. The last two market cycles, we had over 500 days from the halving to the market top. If that's true, that means that we'll see a bull market go well into 2025. So does that happen? It's yet to be seen. Nothing's guaranteed. But that's what I would expect if we do start to get the the signs that we're back into a bull season. And do you want to just dive in a little bit to what you're looking for on Bitcoin's chart to form all of your opinions here? Yeah. So the, the key levels, again, are like 18 to 25. That's the accumulation range we're in now. If 18 breaks, next stop is 9K, I think. 26 to 30 snaps, next stop is the prior all-time high. And then beyond that, we can run extensions well into the mid-100K range. If we do have like an extended bull market that exceeds that high, I think 140 to 150 is the, the next major extension level. And one of the last questions here, how will you look to try and figure out the timeline of Bitcoin's next bull run? once the market has transitioned into that potential bull run? The most important things for me are just the, the prior data that we have, the, the days from the accumulation breakout to having, right, which is anywhere from 250 to 400 days. Th- those are kind of the major things. And then outside of that, I just let price action be a guide. I just watch price action, look for the trade setups that I've back-tested. And if something comes to me, meaning if it shows itself and I know I have an edge, I'll take it. If not, I take no action. Gotcha. What role do you think Bitcoin plays as an asset? Why do you think people are willing to invest in it? Well, this is the question I think people started asking themselves through COVID was, what do you mean the U.S. government can just create $5 trillion? What does that actually mean? And what, what is the, what's the fallout from that look like? And if the government can just create that five trillion. A, how does it happen? B, who lets it happen? And what's the the faith that we have in the dollar? Right. I think a lot of people in the non-crypto space, aka normies, I think a lot of normies started to ask that question through and after COVID. And then kind of the second thing is, okay, we've got some bank failures happening right now. We've got inflation going through the roof and people are getting squeezed. Millennials and younger we're going, hey, I, I make a good income. I work really hard, but why can't I afford the average house in my town or city? What happened there? And what can I do to build my wealth? How can I beat this inflation monster? And that's where Bitcoin comes in. At least so far, it's proven to just really have a, a great compound annual growth rate. It's outpaced inflation really, really well. Will that happen into the future? That's yet to be seen, but it's proven itself so far over the past decade plus to be a great store of wealth, even taking into consideration the depths of the bear market. Adjusted for volatility, Bitcoin is still one of the best performing assets on the planet. So I think people are waking up to the idea that maybe fiat isn't the best form of money and maybe there is a better way to store our wealth. Awesome. And so do you think Bitcoin's role as an asset will ever change? If so, how? do you think people might change how they view Bitcoin and why they might think it's valuable? Yeah, I mean, I think the layer two solutions are interesting. I think most alts are garbage, but I like that we have that competition because this space is a meritocracy. It's like, let the best ideas rise. And so if Bitcoin continues to dominate as a form of, or as a store of wealth, 
and then say Lightning Network and, and maybe other things add to Bitcoin's property as money, right? The transfer of value, which is really hard when the price keeps going up or when it keeps going down, right? The volatility weakens it as a form of money. I think that if we can improve on things like the Lightning Network and, and get more adoption there, and then over time, as Bitcoin's market cap and value grows, I think the volatility will decrease. And not only does that make it a, a better store of wealth, but it makes it a more reliable source of money, right? Because companies and funds can start to make moves based on the stability of Bitcoin, which right now we just don't have, right? You know, I, I think it has quite a ways to, to get to that point. And again, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of most altcoins, but I like the fact that there is so much brain power in the space trying to solve problems. And a lot of them, I think, are solutions looking for a problem, but that's okay. You know, those will pop and those will die. But I think the few alts that do make it will either... A, make Bitcoin better because it'll force it to adapt and evolve, or it'll take over different roles or offer different solutions. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm bullish on the space as a whole, even if I know that 99% of cryptos will die over time. Gotcha. Interesting. Thank you so much for all your opinions and your input and everything. That was really interesting. Yeah. Thanks, BJ. This was fun, man. Yeah. So I think that's about it. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Crypto Trading Secrets presented by Cointelegraph. We'll catch you next time.